You are listening to the Business Growth Toolkit, a series from The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards in collaboration with Innovate UK Edge. Hello, my name is Matthew Childs, and this is Business Growth Toolkit, a series from The Standard Show, developed in collaboration with Innovate UK Edge. Innovate UK is the UK's innovation agency, and Innovate UK Edge is a key part of agency's deep investment to help innovating businesses grow and scale, supporting them with tailored advice on becoming investment-ready, internationalising and managing how they innovate. In this series, we're looking at the relationship between standards and some key business issues, with particular relevance for SMEs. This episode of the series is on innovation management, and our guide is Victoria Milne. With more than 20 years experience in innovation, strategy, design, branding, advertising, and marketing, Victoria leads Tenshi Consulting, an innovation management consultancy. She's also a standards maker, developing standards in the area of design and innovation management, including the ISO 56000 series, international standards for innovation management. Before we hear my conversation with Victoria, a reminder that you can subscribe to The Standard Show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find and follow us on social media too. All of the details are in the show notes. Hey, Victoria, welcome to The Standard Show and our Business Growth Toolkit series. Thank you, Matthew. So nice to join you. Now, Victoria, on your LinkedIn profile, you say, I love innovation and how it can improve life for the better. So why is that? Where does where does that enthusiasm come from? I think I think partly I was born with it. Uh, I just love the idea of having a truly original idea. Um, and and I've always been fascinated by that. But but also through my um, formative years as an industrial designer, and then on to kind of strategy and you know branding, marketing, and all of all of those sorts of um, uh, skills, um, I just became so aware of the incredible innovations that are taking place and how they really do make our lives so much more so much more pleasant and really good design and really good innovation is, is human-centered. So they inherently uh, improve the human condition. So you've clearly developed a love for innovation then. So tell us about innovation management. What what do we mean by this? Well, like I said, uh, I started out like many people with a real love for, you know, ideas. But what really matters is if you can take that idea and uh, and and take it through the process to produce a solution to create some form of value to actually see it on the shelves or to see it being offered as a service or improving a process you know and uh, that's where innovation management comes in how do you take that r&d and and that great invention um, and actually turn it into something that's that's either you know commercially viable or, or socially um, enabling or economically transformative um, and that's the key point about innovation management it's usually the piece that people think is the unsexy bit but if you don't get that bit right, 
then you never really have anything to show for all of that work that you're putting into uh, developing new ideas. Now, clearly, innovation plays a really important role now in in in, in the in how organisations perform uh, and produce their products and services. And I want to I want to talk about particular standards. But before we get to those, you know, what what role can standards play generally for innovation management? You know, why do they matter? Well, it's an interesting question because uh, often when people hear the word standards and then they hear innovation, uh, you know, they they might think that these two things, how can something so creative and and different and innovative uh, sit with something like standards, you know, which is process orientated. Um, But the great joy about standards is, and particularly management system standards, is that they help organizations to ask the right questions of themselves to create the right environment, that fertile environment, that fertile structure, that agile structure uh, for innovation initiatives to take place, for people to actually be able to, to come together in a formalized way, develop those ideas into solutions, minimize the uncertainties, and and deliver that end product, that that value, you know, to their stakeholders. So, uh, standards really in, enable uh, that ability to realize value uh, and realize that that novel solution out there in the market. People may be sort of thinking, well, hold on, hold on a second. Innovation, how, how does that fit with standardization? Surely they're sort of they're, they're complete opposites there. How how can we how, how can we standardize innovation? How would you, how would you respond to that? I love this question. And uh, a lot of those global experts and national standards bodies from around the world asked exactly the same question when it was put to them to perhaps develop an innovation management system standard. And uh, it took a while for people to kind of get their heads around what what it could mean for innovation. And in order to get their heads around it, they really had to explore what innovation management was. And we tend to have this idea out there in popular culture that, uh, you know, there's these great innovators, you know, have have railed against the system, uh, you know, the bureaucratic, um, you know, immovable structure within businesses. Sometimes they're, they're referred to as the performance engine, you know, because business has to be efficient and do the same thing well many, many times over. Um, but that's not really what happens. When we start to actually look at innovation and how it, it comes about, it is more so about an environment that is conducive. So one where people feel relaxed enough to be able to share their ideas. They feel that there's a good structure in place where their ideas won't just be left to, to lie there and wilt um, but actually that they can be taken forward, that there is an environment where the group comes together. And this is the really interesting part, is that those who think that you can't have standardization and innovation um, tend to be in that in that mindset that um, 
they can't work well together because there needs to be a certain amount of conflict and strife in order to become the great Elon Musks or, or Mark Zuckerbergs of this world. You, you know, you need it, it's a certain heroic character. But the evidence shows this collective that actually produces the genius of innovation. And that collective works best as a group with a degree of of structure, support, and frameworks. Frameworks around the type of competencies they need to have. Frameworks around what kind of innovation portfolio they're building out. What innovation initiatives. What kind of support and resources are available for this group to become successful? You know, what is the kind of leadership mindset and strategy framework that will help to make this all happen? And so all of these components are actually what a a management system standard is all about. And it creates this environment, it creates the garden with the 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 fertilizer, the the the, the soil, the the tools, the the sun, the rain, you know, the, the hose pipe, the good old hose pipe, and the gardener's skill and knowledge to produce incredible shows of innovation, you know, and, and color and depth and diversity of output uh, and real value. So so they actually do work well, but we do have to change that mindset that somehow standards or standardization doesn't have a role to play in helping to deliver innovation and innovation management. Well, talking then about about standards delivering that that innovation management, let's let's get to it then. The most relevant standards here. So, what are we talking about? What are the most relevant standards for innovation management? And I'm particularly keen to understand the benefits to organisations, particularly SMEs, of using them. Where where, where we start here? Well, it's the ISO fifty six thousand series, uh, and it's been under development for about ten to fifteen years now, um, and. Uh, uh, I always describe it like this to people who who haven't p- perhaps heard of standards or the way that the terminology works. It's a bit like the Dewey Decimal System in a library. So each topic has a particular number, um, and that's the shelf that you will find these books on. And uh, they're a little bit like self-help books. Um, so you'll have a whole series of guidances under 56,000. So from 56,000, three, four, five, six, seven, um, as they go and as they're written, they are kind of specialist self-help books. So they might be around IP, intellectual property management uh, with your within your innovation. Uh, it might be about how to handle partnerships. Maybe you're a small SME, maybe you're a startup and you're thinking about engaging with one, with a multinational. You know, what are the things you should consider there? So those self-help books all sit on the shelf there, 56,000. Um, and the one that's really probably, I would almost describe as the encyclopedia at the moment, is 56,002. And that covers off all of the aspects that you need to to consider as an organization when considering your innovation management. So I'm just thinking, Victoria, as you were talking there, maybe, you know, the different numbers there, 56,002, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, there maybe correspond to the different different crops or things you're growing in the garden. Be a nice Absolutely. I love that. I, in fact, I think I'm going to change the analogy. It is more like, like packets of seeds. 
Uh, and so, you know, you've got got all of your all of your favourites there. Um, that's going to help you to have to to win the the, the Chelsea Flower Show for sure. And tell us, and you mentioned there fifty six thousand and two. Tell us about that one in particular. What what's so important about that particular standard? Part of the importance of fifty six thousand and two is is its provenance. So it's been developed um, off the back of all of those other all of those other books on the shelf, um, all of those packets of seeds. It's been put together as the perfect gardener's mix. Um, and what's what's amazing about about its history is that you have over a hundred and eighty individual experts in the technical committee two seven nine um, who have have argued this out, who have developed this standard over over years. And and it's gone through rounds and rounds of peer review, a really in-depth peer review, line by line, uh, word by word. And so what you have is a is a kind of <laughs> there's too many analogies here today, but this is the triple distilled, you know, um, version of 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 what is best practice. And so you have a very, very smooth, fine end product that gives you exactly what you need to consider um, when it comes to, to innovation from the very beginning, which is what is your innovation intent? And that seems like a very simple thing. Well, innovation intent is to innovate. Well, no. How? If you are in a traditional sector that has a whole lot of new challenges around sustainability um, um, uh, and societal aspects as well as environmental aspects, you know your innovation intent you know needs to link with with your vision as an organization and and how you're going to perhaps answer some of those issues, how you're going to create more resiliency. Uh, perhaps you're in a very uh, volatile market. How are you going to address that? So your your innovation intent is a very important question to to understand and to be able to answer with with a high degree of clarity. And so it starts there and it builds out into your uh, innovation strategy, um, into then your innovation portfolio. Um, and, and from there, you start to see it spread further into your actual you know, processes that you have within uh, your innovation initiatives uh, through to that. And this is an aspect about 56,002 that there's been some debate around. It is based foundationally on quality management. So 9001 has had significant amount of influence, which means that it comes with that continuous improvement plan, do, check, act. And there's been a lot of debate about how much of of a nuance towards um, quality management we should have versus pure innovation management and, and what's the right balance? How can we be assured of the quality of our innovation management? And that has meant that it's come out as, as a well-balanced document that does have this, this 
underpinning of continuous improvement of plan, do, check, act, which comes from 9001, that, that ensures that that keeps the system running optimally and evolving as required. Now, with innovation management, that's a lot faster. So you have to be an agile organization. You have to have systems thinking. You have to be willing to change your structure. And all of these requirements are considerations within 56002, which really, if you've worked through, is going to give you exactly what you need to do as an organization to become and remain innovative. And that is the exception out there in the world today. Now, you described there quite beautifully the the, the role there of, of 56,000 series uh, for innovation management. I think there's another, there's another standard here that's probably that's worth discussing too, PAS 440, around responsible innovation. Tell us, tell us about that one. Now, I love this one. And I'm going back to the garden analogy. I, I can hear everybody cringing out there as she does it. But... Um, PAS 440 is homegrown. It is a British standards institution uh, homegrown standard that was developed with Innovate UK and answers to the need of what you need to consider, particularly if you're a startup, particularly if you're an SME and you are at the cutting edge of your sector. It might be in uh, genetics, genetically modified uh, substances. Um, and I say substances because this covers everything, you know, from algae, uh, you know, to, um, to nectar, all, all aspects that, that may not be grown genetically modified, but are adapted um, within a lab and within that space. But you may be in that space. You, you might be innovating in nuclear. Uh, you might be innovating when it comes to uh, medical uh, innovations um, and life sciences. And PAS 440 really sets out very nicely in a, in a lovely framework um, the kind of things that you need to consider, and not just for yourself and what you're doing, but what your suppliers are doing. Are they innovating responsibly? Are they supporting you in a responsible way with your groundbreaking innovation? You don't want to land up in a position where you have something that could revolutionize our dependence on palm oil, for example. Um, and yet discover that one of your suppliers um, is considered in a very negative light by a whole host of uh, global NGOs who are going to, you know, legally challenge anything you develop with them. You know, these sorts of things you really need to consider because this can, this can make or break you. So uh, PAS 440 is about responsible innovation in these cutting edge sectors. It's actually worthwhile for anybody innovating in any way. Um, But what it really does is it helps you to answer these questions before they're asked. 
Because so often, if the question is being asked publicly of you about your ethics, about your supply chain, um, about all sorts of aspects that it covers, and you haven't already got those answers, that is a death knell for you. So it's about considering these things early on. And what's lovely about it is it's free. Paz 440. You simply can go to the BSI website. You can Google it and download it. Um, and I, I believe it's uh, one of the highest um, ever downloaded uh, guidances uh, that the British Standards Institution has has ever put out. Uh, it, it is indeed. And that's details of that particular standard. Uh, you can find those in the show notes. Uh, Victoria, you talked there about the, the two main standards of 56,000 56, series and PAS 440. Any any sort of honourable mentions about maybe some, some standards coming out of the future? What can we look out for? Oh, this, this is the exciting bit. So especially if you get excited by standards, and I'm afraid I'm one of them. But who, who uh, doesn't? Who doesn't get excited <laughs> by standards? Uh, but this is this is groundbreaking. So uh, in 2024, which is roughly in a year's time, quarter one, 2024, we will see the launch of 56,001. Now. What that means is when there's a one, it's that first book on the bookshelf. And that first book is, in fact, the auditable standard. So all of those others are guidances. They're, they're, they're good advice, but no one's going to check if you actually do them or how you implement them. That gives you lots of considerations. But this one, this one, if you want to be approved as an organization, you know, that that is 56,001 compliant. This is the standard that matters. And this is relatively groundbreaking, not just for an individual company, but on a national scale. The reason why is because if you consider anyone in procurement, that is operating at a public sector level, at a national level, perhaps it's procurement um, internationally for for large-scale projects. Wouldn't you want to know that the companies that you are procuring from have a certain standard of innovation, which means that Although the contract is a five-year, 10-year, 15-year contract, whatever they are able to produce on day one, as groundbreaking as it is, will continue to remain to be groundbreaking. Are you going to choose that company or are you going to choose another company who you have no idea how well they innovate or whether they even innovate at all? They just happen to have got lucky and they have a, you know, a really good product today, but you have no sense of whether or not they're going to perform over time. Who are you going to choose? You're going to go with those organizations, those companies, um, those sectors that are 56,001 compliant. And those who aren't are going to lose out. Now, if we as UK companies don't have a level of innovation management by the beginning of 2024 that can qualify early in 2024, while Sweden and Japan have 
entire cohorts that they have been preparing, Spain, uh, you know, South America, they've been preparing for this for already for five years, Spain even longer. You now have serious competition. We now have 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 potentially serious risk for UK companies after we've after many of us have have felt the blows of of Brexit and and what that's meant to our international trade, uh, COVID and how that's affected our business. This will be the third knock if they're not prepared, uh, and so. Nationally, we need to actually be very, very cognizant of the launch of 56001 because it's either going to be a huge advantage for UK companies or potentially a huge disadvantage and risk, which I don't think many of them could take after after the last few years we've had as a as a small business owner. I I I, I can I can um, you know attest to that. So 56001 is one of those seminal pieces of standardization that is going to be just as influential, just as critical as 9001. And we need to be aware of it. We need to start preparing for it uh, at the SME level, at the startup level, all the way through to having you know national plans on how we're going to help and support uh, UK businesses to be able to qualify to the standard. So I'm just thinking, uh, Victoria, as, as I'm listening to you speak there, and it's sort of the real sort of energy and enthusiasm about the, the role of innovation management uh, standards. I'm just thinking, if you're putting yourself in an SME's shoes here, what's what's the first thing an SME should do when thinking about implementing innovation management standards? The first thing they should do, uh, and especially if you're an SME owner, is... Get your hands on a copy of, of 56002 and go and have a read. It's not it's not a heavy read. It's an easy read. You could do it over a weekend and just have a read because it will make you think. And so many times in, in small businesses, um, medium-sized businesses, we're so busy doing the doing, we struggle to find the time to do the strategy piece, the critical strategic thinking. And there is nothing more valuable than the questions that 56002 will ask you about your business and where you're going. And it starts with what I was speaking about earlier, that innovation intent. What is your innovation intent? Where are you going? What, you know, the, one of the critical principles of uh, 56000 is uh, future-focused leadership. So, Spend some time thinking about the future of your business. You know, we've 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 got to this point in time now where how we continue to go forward needs to be different. We we all get that. I think we've learned that the hard way over the last few years. It's got to be different. We've got to be more agile. We've got to be more adaptable. How do we go about doing that? How do we go about creating value? Creating value for our customers, creating value for our employees and ourselves and, you know, our shareholders. And value and, and additional value, novel value, new value, 
increased value will come from innovation, will come from the uptake of management practices. And this is this is where we fall down. So in the UK, we have this productivity puzzle or this uh, productivity long tail where looking into it, they've discovered the reason is we're, we're not so good at picking up these, these new uh, management practices, these new technologies. And the best way to have a step-by-step guide is 56,002, starting with your innovation intent, starting to think about, well, what's our innovation strategy? How should we resource this? You know, what what kind of, how are we going to measure if we're successful? I, I find it fascinating that it's not just an SME problem. It's in those multinationals that everybody kind of looks up to and goes, well, they seem to be getting it right. You go in there and you go, you ask them, well, how can you tell? How do you assess if you're doing the right thing with your innovation? Mm. Well, somebody was really passionate about this idea. <laughs> so so we threw some money at it, um, you know, and we, we throw money at things and we, we see what happens, see what sticks. You know, there's no actual real assessment. There's no actually any way to, to really measure because because it's not really understood what you should be measuring. Is it number of patents? Is it, you know, is it return on investment? Well, how long should we wait for that return on investment? If it's radical innovation, it might be 10 to 15 years away. You know, all of these sorts of things, This even at, at the very basic level, are questions that I would even argue a micro-business should, should spend a weekend, a day, just asking yourself these questions because it's going to then set your set your, your frame of mind in the right way to consider innovation. And that's what what the first step really is all about. So using that, using those standards then to really, uh, for an organisation to ask themselves those critical questions and think about, okay, and uh, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we going to measure how successful we are? I'm just wondering, though, as you're talking, you talk about that productivity puzzle. You know, apart from if you, if you are an SME or a large organization, starting on that innovation management journey and using innovation management standards, you know, apart from the organization, who else benefits? Well, this is the beauty. So we as a, as a country benefit because the money that we are committing to investing in R&D and those, those R&D grants, uh, you know, the, all of these policies that we're putting in place to, to support innovation, uh, these standards actually help to inform how, uh, you know, these bodies are beginning to evaluate the companies, the SMEs in most cases, who win grants. So, so this is this is one of those you know, like ding ding moments in this podcast. If you want to win a grant, read fifty six thousand and two, because it's going to ask you the right questions. <laughs> You're laughing. That's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I like the other ding ding. I think I've some really good. I like that. Add it. We should add have a bell. We should have a bell. <laughs> but it not only helps us with how we spend our money as a country when we are investing in the R&D of SMEs, uh, but it also helps uh, venture capitalism. So being able to, to put money, private funds, into organizations and being able to evaluate those organizations 
and ensure that we actually have better quality innovation. You know, there's if you think about things like we can talk about, um, you know, what's the development in batteries um, and what's happening. There are a number of countries with very similar technology kind of leading, you know, leading the, the market. Now, you need to be a little bit better than those three or four other players if you're going to get the lion's share of that market. And you and the only way you're going to be able to do that is by having a whole ecosystem of suppliers, your entire supply chain that speaks the same language about innovation, that is innovating, and that works well, has, a, has systems thinking in place that works well to be able to make the changes fast enough, be adaptable enough, um, and be comfortable in the type of innovation partnerships that you have in order to keep you ahead. So it doesn't just benefit, you know, kind of the, the public purse or, you know, the, the private investor in, in giving them a bit of peace of mind, but it actually supports entire, um, you know, sector ecosystems uh, in improving their outcomes and in improving competitiveness. Which is which is kind of that 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 gold standard that everybody's chasing. How can I be more competitive within my market? Also, not just within the commercial space that fifty six thousand and two applies. You know, we've kind of been talking in that way about kind of value and you know and commercial value and economic value and that sort of thing. But what fifty six thousand and two does as well is it helps and and particularly particularly if you take in. Um, PAS 442, you put those two together. If you are interested in, you know, um, the UN's SDGs and how to de- how to deliver on those, um, if you're interested in sustainability, it's not words that are going to help us to achieve the goals that we're setting. What's going to achieve a carbon neutrality, what's going to bring down global temperatures is going to be innovation. So even if you are in the charity sector, in the tertiary sector, in fact, I know of a university that has applied um, 56,000 um, to their, their how they coach and develop innovation and, and incubate innovation um, to huge success. Even, even in the academic space, it has relevance and it is incredibly useful to help to ensure that you are actually developing really good ideas, really good propositions, really good solutions that are going to really help people's lives. And that that links us back to um, why I'm so passionate about uh, innovation and ideas to begin with. It does indeed. Now, you are a standards maker too. So what, what's been your, your own standards journey? You know, how, how and when did it start for you and where are you now? Well, um, it was it was quite a few years ago. I kind of I kind of stumbled into it, um, and uh, I landed up on on the committee um, within BSI looking at design management uh, for innovation, and so uh, that is the committee that that kind of reports into the technical committee two seven nine at, at the ISO, and uh, through my involvement with, at BSI, I then. Uh, moved into the the ISO space and uh, I've been a part of uh, 
helping to to write in the, the early stages of 56,007, which is uh, also due to be published quite soon. This is a, a really lovely uh, one of those self-help books. It's around ideas and opportunities um, and how to identify the right opportunity spaces, you know, the, the, the topics and areas that you should probe to potentially develop ideas from um, and how that idea generation and idea management right at the front end, which which a lot of people kind of think is is the, the beginning and end of, of innovation management. Idea management sits there, 56,007. Um, so I, I was involved in that with a really lovely team um, and subsequent to that have now become part of the, the main working group on 56,001, uh, where I represent the UK with, with some of my colleagues. And I head up one of the task groups, which is um, it linked in a sense to this podcast in that it's about how we uh, communicate globally some of the strategic value of the 56,000 series and how we can align uh, globally on some of those messages uh, that are then taken through the national standards bodies and organizations, uh, innovation management organizations around the world. So, so I'm quite actively involved um, in uh, the, the ISO and the BSI, um, and I absolutely love it because it allows me to really influence what I believe, personally believe, to be the most critical aspect to ensuring economic prosperity and resiliency for the UK. Um, I believe that it's, it's the way that we are going to see the types of innovation that are going to ensure that we don't have, you know, an environmental apocalyptic future, but one that is regenerative, one that that we get to experience a rate of change that we've seen increase over the last hundred years, that we're going to see continue to exponentially grow. And writing these standards is the foundation of being able to do that. So that's the real importance and value here. And that's that's why I do it. And that's why I love it. And I love the debate. Imagine. Well, I was going to say, you, cl- you, clearly, you clearly do. Like, I can definitely hear how you love it. And you say you sort of, you stumbled in. But obviously, from a professional perspective, it's an incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. I just wonder what you would say to someone else sort of considering doing the same and getting involved in standards. What would you say? I would say do it. <laughs> uh, just do it. Um, you know, not only is it the the incredible uh, kind of quality of the members who, who sit around the table in committees with you, but it is the, you know, at an ISO level, the international uh, level of awareness of your uh, sector, of, of what the key trends are, what's happening. Um, and particularly with innovation management, we have a lot of uh, academics that support the work that sit on these committees, as well as um, those who are in industry, as well as those who consult to the industry. Um, and so it's a really broad mix. It really, it, regardless of, of kind of where your expertise comes from, you know, there's, there's a role for you to play 
um, within within the standards writing and within you know developing these standards that that assure the outcomes for for ourselves and and the next generation. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insights and experiences on standards and innovation management. Oh, thank you for having me. For more information about the issues and standards raised in this episode and for details of other episodes in the series, then check out the links in the show notes. You have been listening to the Business Growth Toolkit, a series from The Standard Show. Subscribe to The Standard Show now, wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.